Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The spirit-filled souls are ablaze for God. They love with a love that glows. They believe with a faith that kindles. They serve with a devotion that consumes. They hate sin with a fierceness that burns. They rejoice with a joy that radiates. Love is perfected in the fire of God. Man, may the passion of God burn in you. And may, as you think about God and your gift and how you use it, may He stir up within you a passion like you've never had before. You may have run into the professing Christian who acts like they don't want to be around other Christ followers. They have kind of a sour attitude and aren't very complimentary. You might yourself wonder if they've actually had an authentic encounter with Jesus. This is a sad situation to see someone in. This might be the kind of person Pastor Mark will be talking about in his teaching today. He's going to be talking about using your spiritual gifts, the mindset the Bible says you should have. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. Romans chapter 12. Let's read beginning of verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The whole purpose of this series was for you to find where you are on that chart, on that circle. And every Christian has one gift, maybe even a mixture of gifts. There isn't one Christian in here that can say, I don't find myself up there. Well, yes, you do, because that's the gifts. Now, these aren't all. We believe there's probably more. But these are the ones that Paul teaches us about. And you should find yourself there. And of course, that's been the whole goal of this series is to find ourselves there. And notice one is not more important than others. They're all exactly equal. Now, how do we do that? Well, First Peter chapter 4, which you'll see there, says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So each one of us should use Whatever gift you have. Now, some of you can't sing like Steve. You don't have a bald head, you just can't do it. (laughs) 
And some of us really aren't good with greeting people. We're not really outgoing, so you wouldn't be good as a first impression person and so forth. But you have gifts, so we're to use whatever we have, and we're stewards of those gifts. You will respond to God on the judgment day for how you used your gift. So it is a great privilege... But it's also an incredible responsibility. Now, I gave you this, but I just wanted to remind you, we should know our gift. Number two, I have to accept my gift. I can't complain that I don't have the gift that I'd like. I'd like to sing like Steve. I'd like to have my hair like you can't do that. You have to be you. So there's no jealousy. Number three, everything circles on love. If you have your gift and you're motivated to use it to promote yourself, it'll be useless in the body of Christ has to be for one another's in love. Four, the only way this thing works together is all of us use our gifts. That's how the body functions. And five, it's never about us anyway. Because notice, these are gifts. A gift is given to you. So this was given to you. So that's why we can't brag about it, because God gave it to us. Now, in these next few verses, we covered there was 11 ways that we operate these gifts. Eleven. We gave you four of them. We're going to cover the other keys as we go through. So look at verse 9 and we'll review those very quickly. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So, number one, really love others. That was it. It's interesting, I came across, see this, what's so amazing about God's word, he gives us these gifts, and then we're going to see that he just, it is so practical. You don't have to say, well, I don't know how I would use this gift. Number one, you use it with love. And and love, you say, well, what's love? Well, go to 1 Corinthians 13, you see how love operates. I came across this and I thought it was, some of your parents may want to get it later and put it up in your homes or whatever, but someone posted this in their home and it was called the laws of love. See, the Bible is very practical. It goes like this. If you open it, you close it. If you turn it on, you turn it off. If you unlock it, you lock it. If you break it, you fix it. If you can't fix it, you call someone in who can. If you borrow it, you return it. If you use it, you take care of it. If you make a mess, you clean it up. If you move it, you put it back where it was. Now we're going to meddling here, aren't we? If it belongs to someone else and you want to use it, ask their permission. If you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. If it doesn't concern you, just don't mess with it. Now those are good keys, aren't they? And see, it's all operating out of love. Number two, we're to hate evil. And focus on the good. Number three, here you go. We don't only do love in the home or in our relationships, but we're to practice love in the church. Now, when there's love and it's operating, love covers a multitude of sin. See, we're all still sinners. We're working in progress. God's changing us, but we still sin. So that love... It just covers a multitude of sins. And number four, we're to honor and respect one another. As we see these gifts, as you see those gifts, we honor and respect one another. No one person is any more important. Now, 
Remember, we used Mr. Potato Head through this whole series. You remember how Mr. Potato Head worked. His arms, his eyes, and in a moment, we'll go through this list of who the gifts are. And here is the list. The prophet is kind of the eye of the body, the server, the hands, the teacher, the mind, the exhorter, the mouth, the giver, the arms, the leader, the head. And the person with mercy is the heart person. That's the body. That's the way we work. That's the way God designed this body. And you need every single one of those. For instance, the prophet. In the body, you need a prophet. Somebody that says, no, stay true to the word of God. You can have nice application. You can have PowerPoint. You can have video churches. You can do all this great stuff. But it has to be based on the word of God. So, understand all of those principles. Now, we've come to number five. This is a new one. Look at verse 11. Never, this is a challenge to me, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Number five is simply this, be hot for God. The New Living Translation, it reads like this, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. The Amplified says, never lag in zeal and an earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. That spiritual fervor that you see there, fervent in spirit, it could be this. It could really mean the Spirit is boiling inside of me. In other words, when we think about our gift and using our gift, there should be some zeal to it. There should be some excitement about it. Now, how often? Well, that's the challenge. Notice how Paul says it. He says, never be lacking. Now, when we lack with zeal, and we don't have time, you can go to the book of Revelation. You remember? Jesus said, if you're not hot or cold, you're lukewarm. I'm not interested in you. Now, what is Paul saying? He says to Christian, every morning you get up, you have your Red Bull drink. For those of you that don't know what those are, those are drinks that have considerably more caffeine than a regular cup of coffee. So spiritually, what does Paul say? Well, if you don't like that, then go over here and have a double latte with an extra shot of caffeine right in it. Start every morning zipping for God. Why does Paul say this about our gifts? Why does he say, don't be sluggish, don't be slothful, don't be passive, don't be a person that's just full of hesitation in your life. Be hot for God. Why does he say that? Because our tendency is just to kind of drift through life. You see, that's the people that believe a relationship with God is an event, not a lifestyle. Guys, when you get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, I want to be hot for God. I want to do my work. If you're in the secular area, you want to be on time. You want to be fervent. You want to go for it. You just want to have everything in you. You say, well, that's not my personality. Well, make it your personality. Because God wants people that are full of zeal for the things of God. Doesn't mean we can't rest. Doesn't mean we can't relax. Let me just ask you, if you're a Christian and you don't have to respond here, But just think in your heart. Is there excitement and passion in your life? Are you fired up about God? Or is it like ho-hum? 
of a toham, Paul said to Timothy, stir up your gift. You say, well, I've been operating with this gift ever since I know when, and I just don't have much zip with it. Well, you think you're going to get another gift? That's the gift God gave you. So Paul didn't say, okay, Tim, you don't like this one? Let's pray for God and see if we can get another one. He says, what? You stir up your own gift. So maybe some of you will have nothing else about any of this teaching, but God's really spoken to you about being fired up for him. Someone has said this, if we drift aimlessly in the Christian life, we will simply drift like a bottle in the ocean. We will accomplish nothing, although we'll bob around in many areas. You see, we don't have time, guys. We do not have time to bob around for God. We have to go for it. And Paul says, find your gift and operate it. Notice he says, never be lacking in zeal. Go for it. Dr. Samuel Chadwick said this, The spirit-filled souls are ablaze for God. They love with a love that glows. They believe with a faith that kindles. They serve with a devotion that consumes. They hate sin with a fierceness that burns. They rejoice with a joy that radiates. Love is perfected in the fire of God. Man, may the passion of God burn in you. And may, as you think about God and your gift and how you use it, may he stir up within you a passion like you've never had before. Some of you need a fresh touch of God that you might use that gift, not with a whole hum attitude, but with a go-for-it attitude. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So, number six is we serve the Lord with our gifts. We serve them by being hot for God. We serve the Lord with our gifts. Let me ask you a good question. This is always interesting to me. What would this church look like if everyone used their gift like you use yours? We have a whole body. Seven gifts. Let's say you really go for it with your gift and you're full of God and you're hot for God and you're passionate about God and you got zeal for God. What would this body look like? Woo! Be incredible. Now let's say you're kind of just lukewarm and kind of going through the motions or whatever. What would this body look like if everybody was just like you? This is what happened to the church in England. It just, over time, became lukewarm. And pretty soon, cold. And God, over the buildings, wrote the words that we know in the Old Testament. Ichabod, which means, my spirit has departed. That's what happened. Well, that's not happening here. You guys aren't like that. But that's exactly the goal of Satan. Now, Let me give you an illustration how this works so we can keep in balance. If you've ever been in surgery and you see some of those drills and all those things, I remember the first time I, this is 40 years ago, I watched somebody have a hip replacement and the doctor was in there with his sledgehammer. I'm like, what in the world? You know, thinking, Lord, help me never have to have a hip surgery or whatever. It looked so unbelievable. Well, think about this. The surgeon is God. 
The surgical instrument is you. Now, how does that work? We're simply tools in the hands of a great surgeon. You see, the tool's value comes not from the tool, but from the hand of the surgeon. So you can have a great tool, and if you're in surgery and the hand that the tool's in is a plumber, there's problems coming. So remember, by itself, laying on the operating table, a tool is useless. So the surgeon makes the tool valuable. We're valuable because we're a tool in the hands of God. Don't overestimate yourself. Don't think more highly than you are. Now, here's another important point, though. The surgeon does need the tool to complete his work. He does. God needs us. He designed it that way. He could have designed ministering to this world a whole lot different than he did. But his only plan is you. There's not a plan B. It's you and your gift and your zeal and your witness and your light and your salt. That's his plan. In Revelation, we have a little help from an angel or two. But basically, that's his plan. So think about that. Now, how do I know that's his plan? Well, in John chapter 14, Jesus was talking about when he left. He made this incredibly bold statement. Here's what it says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So God has tools all over the world. They're in his hand. In Jesus' day, Jesus was that tool. He was in one place at one time. He left. The Holy Spirit came. He infuses your life. He's gifted you. He's empowered you. And in this room are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tools wanting to be used by the master's hand. Be encouraged. Serve him. You're valuable to him. There isn't a part two or a plan B. You're it. I'm it. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. So number seven is simply be joyful in hope. Understand this. When we use our gifts for God, Satan is against the gifts. He wants us to be lukewarm or not use our gift or be jealous of somebody else's gift or sit on the shelf and not get involved. So there will be opposition to us using the gifts. And when there is opposition, sometimes we simply get discouraged. You and I can get discouraged. But hope eliminates that discouragement. See, hope is to wait expectantly with full confidence. I was thinking about that. Imagine yourself a pastor in Europe. And on Sunday morning, you have this huge sanctuary, wherever you're at, many of those buildings, and 12 people show. Wonderful people, that's all that show. And it hasn't changed in three years. And you haven't seen a person saved in a year. Now, anybody think you'd be discouraged? 
How much zeal for your study? And they don't even do this, but you do a DVD series, which they couldn't do. You do a taping series, which you could. And the sales are two. You and your wife. (laughs) You think you'd be discouraged? Easily get discouraged. But Paul says, while you're serving your gift, don't get discouraged. Be joyful in hope. Why? Well, think about it. For you and I tonight, there's really nothing to be depressed about. You might be here a little discouraged tonight. We all get that way. I do too. We know that. But guys, God's in control. And as we exercise our gift, doesn't matter the numbers. It isn't about the numbers. It isn't about the result. It's about us exercising our gift in love with zeal. As we do this, everything will work out all right. Proverbs 10, 28 says, The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. No matter what our present circumstances, Paul says we should be joyful in hope. After all, what's going to happen to us? One of these days, you've heard me say this many times before, one of these days we're going to die. The very next thing is going to happen to us, we're going to be in heaven. Now, how much better does it get? So we can have hope because that's the expectation of something really good is going to come. Now, so discouragement is something that can cause our gifts to kind of be set on the shelf. Maybe you're discouraged. And you're thinking about all these new things we're going to do in the VR, things are going to open up and all the responsibilities and new places in here. And you're just discouraged because you got hurt in ministry or you got hurt in this church or you got hurt by me or one of the pastors or somewhere in the past or whatever the reason is. Lovingly, let me just challenge you, get over it. Am I right? If you don't, I'm serious. By the way, will you be hurt again? Sure you will. Absolutely. This is real life, guys. This is where we're at. So don't let the enemy shelf you. Get involved. Stick your neck out. Go for it. Ask God to help you. If I've hurt you, come to me and I'll ask forgiveness. For sure. Or somebody else. But get over it. And move on with life. Because we're useless sitting on the shelf. So Paul says, just be joyful and hope. Joyful, not just have hope, but be joyful with hope because the outcome is incredible. Now, besides discouragement, Satan will bring something else. We see that in the last part of verse 12. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. Number eight, as I operate my gift, I have to learn to endure joyfully affliction. What does affliction mean? Distress, trouble, pressure. What does patient mean? Don't have to define it, do we? Patient, steadfast, endurance, not running from the situation. You see, if we live in a perfect world, we wouldn't be influenced by the sin and evil There would be no trouble. There would be no persecution. But that's not the kind of world we live in. Keep your finger right there, and let's turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 for a minute. Scoot on down to verse 12. In fact, Paul says to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted or 
have affliction. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark reminded you that to properly use your spiritual gifts, you have to operate in God's kind of love. You also have to hate evil while focusing on the good in people and extend to them the kind of grace you've received from God. When you do that, then the body of Christ can begin working the way God intended it to work in this world. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish his teaching and series on God's motivational gifts. You'll hear the rest of the ways you can make use of these gifts and what the benefit will be to your fellow Christ followers. You'll get a better idea of how God wants His church to look and what the active use of His motivational gifts, combined with love, will do in your world. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series called Motivational Gifts. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear